You're listening to the TNT Podcast, the training and nutrition truth. Whether you're just the average Joe or the bodybuilder bro, we are bringing you the no bullshit approach to all things fitness. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is the TNT Podcast. I'm John Gorman, joined by Dr. Chad. What's up, Chad? Hey there, John. How's it today? How's it going today? Great. Got a good question of the week topic today. We also have Tyler, our producer. What's up, Tyler? Hello. We're missing uh, Sal, so Tyler's going to I'll fill get... in the dick roll for him. There you go. <laughs> Sal's not here, so yeah. um, this will be fun. Then we also have Dr. Jacob Wilson in the house. What's, What's up, What's up, everyone? Yeah, so here's the thing. This is a piggyback off of the ketogenic podcast that we just did, and I had Snapchat going, and people send in questions for you, Jake. So um, for Marlene, Marlene asked the the question, so we're just going to make it our question of the week podcast. She wants to know, how do you approach refeeds while on a ketogenic diet? And I know this is probably a huge podcast in itself, but I think we can break this down in about 10 minutes. Um, so what are your thoughts on refeeds during keto? I know a lot of people, I've dieted a lot of people keto, and I have them do refeeds. Some people think they need to have too much. Some people think they can't have one. So kind of give people an idea on a refeed and what it's for. Yeah, so the point is you have this concept called metabolic flexibility, and we talked about it in our last podcast. Basically, it means that you're flexible if you can use two fuel sources. or or, you know. So in other words, you're not if you can't. So um, for example, what that means is that if I'm keto all the time, I won't be able to use carbs very well. Um, if I am, uh, if I'm high, high carb all the time, I won't be able to use, uh, fat very well. And I think that's the take home message. So what happens if you do the refeeds where you introduce carbohydrates one or one or two times a week, you might maintain your metabolic flexibility. I mean, even though you're keto, you might still be able to use carbs, which means, especially if you're like a bodybuilder and you're going into a show, you don't want to lose that ability because when you fill out before the show, you want to be able to do that. So I think that's one of the main points. So, so here's the thing: most people start keto and they'll they'll go for six days and then they'll try and do a refeed, like maybe that a carb up. Maybe it's a Sunday, so they start Monday, they go six days, um, and then they want to do a refeed on Sunday. What have you seen as far as you know the negative effects of someone trying to get into ketosis and then turning around and carving up too fast? Yes. It, when someone starts keto, if they and we did a study, uh, basically like it was, I was, I think it was like six week study or something like that. Oh, I guess what we had an adaptation phase kind of, but basically what happens is that if you start off right away doing cyclic ketogenic dieting, you'll never get into ketosis, and so that's a problem. Um, basically, we did a dieting study where we had people cut calories, do cardio, and train, kind of like a contest prep. One group actually carved up on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday. One group didn't. The group that uh, um, carved on the weekends never keto adapted. They never keto adapted, and they lost a lot of muscle. So my thought is that you need to keto adapt fully to where when you do the carb update and uh, um, that you're not going to mess adaptations up. Yeah, so one of the things I, I tell my clients, and we'll, we'll, I'll see what you think of this, I tell them to at least go two weeks with no carbohydrates before they do any kind of carb up. And usually the amount that they have is dictated by their body fat levels, how depleted they get. But in the beginning of a diet, when someone's trying to lose, they don't necessarily need a huge refeed. You know, they may only need a couple hundred carbs, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're very obese, they have a lot of fat. They're going to be able to, they're going to have to take in less carbs than someone who's very lean, um, more muscle mass and things of that nature. So, you know, two weeks seems to, seems to work well for me. 
as long as I have my clients only carb up on minimal amounts. Yes, exactly. Now, a couple of things I know is from talking to you, John, that um, what you do with your clients is a lot of the protocols are they'll have them carb on the weekend, so like a Sunday. What are most people doing on Sundays? They're watching football. They're not training. It's a sedentary day. We, like I said, in our study, we they didn't train on the carb up days, and that was probably one of the problems as well. And one of the things you do, you do a couple of things to counter that I know with your clients, um, and you actually have them train on those days. Like, talk about that training. Yeah, so what I've noticed, and this just <clears throat> makes sense, they do higher rep training. Usually, for most people, they'll do a full body circuit in the 20 to 30 rep ranges to deplete muscle glycogen fully. And it also helps with their insulin sensitivity because here's the thing a lot of people don't know, and I actually learned this from some of your information, Jake. When you train very heavy, it can actually impair your ability to, to carb load versus if you train in the higher rep ranges. And a lot of people don't know that. They think if they just go to the gym and kill it and they're doing like four to five, six reps, that's not as conducive to carbing up as if you do things in the higher rep ranges, which helps activate glute four. It just helps you carb up easier um, and accept those carbs better. So I have my clients do higher rep training, full body. That way when you do carb up, you have a better chance of storing those carbs in the muscle cells versus the fat cells. What would you and, consider higher up? Uh, 20 to 30 reps. So, and it's usually, you know, hitting failure at six rep ranges is a lot different than hitting failure at 20 to 30 reps because, you know, it's just a completely different feeling. It's not as hard on the CNS. Like there's a whole lot of different, different adaptations that take place there. But I've noticed that helps with the carb ups and I can actually have my clients eat more carbs because they store more carbs in their muscle versus like if they're sedentary, like you said, Jake, insulin sensitivity is not the same. Like if you can be no carb for six days and wake up and start carving up without training, yeah, your insulin sensitivity is decent because you've been without carbs. But if you train, that's a game changer. Like that will allow carbs to be stored in the muscle at a much better rate um, than if you haven't trained. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Chad will be able to speak to this, but there's different ways that you can get carbohydrates in the muscle one is insulin one is contraction yeah without a doubt so you know so i think overall when we talk about like different different like rep ranges and everything else i mean i think a huge huge factor there that 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 will affect that glucose transport is is you know you're talking 20 30 reps i mean time under tension is significant so you have that variable alone which is going to going to cause some really really um uh, impressive changes in just glucose uptake into the muscle and then also um, just metabolically, you know, when you're talking about being under load for that amount of time against, you know, five, six, seven reps or whatever else, I mean, metabolically things are, are quite a bit different. So we'll see some different hormonal changes and that's going to affect, you know, um, you know, to what extent glucose is, 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 you know, um, taken up as well. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of reasons why that, why that's a, just an overall effective strategy. A hundred percent. And the one thing is with the, with the five to seven reps versus the 20 to 30, 20, 30 won't cause damage. Five to seven will cause muscle damage. If you damage the muscle, that's when it becomes less sensitive to insulin. So now you have a damaged muscle, you're less insulin sensitive and you're trying to carb up. That's not the best method. Whereas if you're doing 20, 30 reps, you're getting the metabolic effects that Chad talked about. You're drawing glucose in the cell. It's not damage. It's just more insulin sensitive. And also, also to to build to build on that point, there's been there's been some work done with, with basically with damage that actually glyc I mean glycogen resynthesis is is also negatively affected whenever you're damaged as well too. So that so that higher rep, 
lower load type of a scenario would, would, would certainly facilitate, you know, basically, you know, um, um, greater, greater synthesis of glycogen as well, too. Yeah, and I, I tell people, too, if, you know, if you're going to train the heavy rep ranges, do it the day after you carb up. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there are definitely benefits to going back to training high rep again the next day to help drop you into ketosis, if your training program dictates that you do have heavy days, the day after you carb up is probably going to be the best day because you're fully glycogen loaded. You feel great. You're not in ketosis the next day. You know, if, if you eat a lot of carbs, you're not. So you're going to feel good. You're able to train heavy. So I, that's that's where I usually place, you know, someone's trying to bring their squat bench and deadlift up or just whatever. They just have a heavy day. It seems to work well the next day versus when they're depleted at the very end of the week and they're trying to squat in the three to five rep range. Good point. You're going to do it much better after you're glycogen loaded the next day. Good point. Um, it's like, oh, it's my heavy day. I'm going to carb up this day. Well, it's too late at that point. You know, you, you really want to go in carbed up. It'd be better. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, a lot of my clients give me feedback and I've done this myself. I actually look forward to, maybe it's a Sunday. I look forward to knowing I can go into the gym. I'm going to train hard, but I mean, I'm going to bro it up a little bit. All right. I'm going to train 20, 30 reps. I'm going to get a pump and I'm looking forward to eating a bunch of carbs. Like it's, it's just the whole day is a good day. But if I have to go in there and squat, you know, four Oh five for five sets of five, and then I'm not carved up. I mean, that's just not, it's just mm-hmm. not ideal. Plus mentally, most people won't want to do that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's, let's break this down real quick for people that aren't lean. All right. Because there's going to be people that listen that have 40 pounds to lose 50 pounds to lose. Let's talk about carb ups for them. Let's talk about amounts because it's much, much different if you have someone with a lot of lean mass and they're decently lean or someone that's obese. Um, what would you say to carb amounts for those type of people? Well, to be honest, if someone's obese, I don't know that they want to do carb ups, you know, or, or even a refeed in or a general. refeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that they would calorie cycle, meaning that they may that basically there's a study by Davuti and colleagues where basically they uh, went they went um, basically they died it for like ten days and they had three d three days where they just ate normal. So maybe on the weekends they could eat maintenance calories, but I don't think they need to carb up. Yeah, and, and one thing too, like like we said earlier, the fatter you are, the the worse your insulin mm-hmm. sensitivity is. So, mm-hmm. um, and they're not prepping for a contest or like exactly. trying to get their body to say, oh, I can take in a lot of carbs pre pre contest. No, it's not, no point. The problem there though is most people um, they can't stick to keto long term without some kind of cheat meal or a refeed or a break. So that's, that's why I want to kind of give those listeners, listen, e- either we give them some kind of guidelines and I'll, I'll give mine because if we don't, they're going to fucking go do it anyway. And they're really, at least we'll give them something to kind of break it up. Um, so what I like to recommend is I don't, I'm not real big on cheat meals, but however, if that's going to help you stick to your plan, I think one, one cheat meal kind of done in the same fashion, um, post-workout maybe or sometime after your workout in the higher rep ranges is fine it's going to have a little bit higher fat and a little bit higher carbs in it but if it helps you stick to your plan that's fine um or carb ups you know females i don't really like to see them go higher if they're obese than like 200 carbs on their carb up day and that's that doesn't seem like a lot but when you're obese you get fuller easy easier as well so that's what I like to recommend for females. For guys, it might be as low as 300 carbs. And it all depends because after your carb up, what you want to do if you're losing weight, you want to look at the low weight that you hit the next week. One, you want to make sure you get back into ketosis, but you also want to make sure you don't carb up too much 
to where your carb up's getting away your fat loss. So if you carb up way too much and you're not hitting a new low and new low weight the next week, then you know your carb up's too big. So then maybe you do want to maybe only carb up every two weeks. Like, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Jake? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's a, a good point. You know, it's, if again, if, if someone's overweight and, and obese and their goal's not, like, contests, if they're going to have a cheat meal, there are certain things that they can do to stop those things. Like you said, higher rep training. To be honest... Um, if someone has a lot of body fat, intermittent fasting works really well. And the reason why is because it's very hard to lose muscle when you have a ton of body fat. There's a lot of studies on that. And I do not recommend this, but they've done studies with obese people and very lean people. The obese people, they've literally like put them on a thousand calories a day. They put the lean people on a thousand calories a day. Lean people lost a ton of muscle. Obese people didn't because they have so much fat, they're turning to ketones. So they actually can do intermittent fasting without losing muscle. In fact, it could be beneficial to them. So if you do that, studies have shown that intermittent fasting blunts the negative effects of the cheat meal. They've done studies where basically they do intermittent fasting with kind of a Western diet, which is like McDonald's, and it stopped the negative effects. That's very interesting. Yes. So so that, the depletion from the training plus intermittent fasting, if they're obese or overweight, could help them not get the negative effects. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. Um, so let's, let's give people an idea too. after the carb up dropping back into ketosis, because that's, that's something that's very important. So say a person figures out their carb up levels, let's drop back into ketosis as rapidly as possible. Um, so what are, what are some keys that people can kind of focus in on there to help them drop back into ketosis at a faster rate than if, if they just went back just to protein fats and didn't really, you know, yeah. Th- things like glucose disposal agents. I think during the day that you're carving up, glucose disposal agents is the major key. Stuff like that. Um, and you have a lot of favorites. Well, my favorite is berberine. It actually is powerful, as powerful as like, um, uh, like what are, what are the things? Like um, metformin. Oh, yeah. It's glucose. very powerful. Yeah, very powerful. So um, berberine is almost just as powerful. And uh, actually, to be honest, like MCTs, uh, are very, improve insulin sensitivity, and they keep ketones high even on the days that you're carving up. And ketones are big time at insulin sensitivity. That'll drive glucose in the cell. Um, and even if you took ketones yourselves on those days, now it keeps your blood glucose not going too high. So berberine, uh, ketones, MCTs on those days. And I know you have a lot of glucose disposal agents like ALA and stuff like that you yeah, talked about. Yeah, ALA, vanadyl sulfate, chromium, um, but... You said berberine? Berberine. I, I, I want to look into that one. Yeah. Because if it's powerful, like metformin. Very powerful. Pa- literally on par with those. Yeah. yeah that, very powerful. That will help deplete people. So, yeah. um, Jake, where, where, where would um, uh, cinnamon, would that, would that, would that fit in, into the discussion too. as well, cinnamon, too? Cinnamon, 100%. Yeah. Cinnamon with all your carb meals are is great. <clears throat> Outstanding. And that's cinnamon, <laughs> like not cinnamon sugar, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. Point, Tyler. <laughs> See, exactly. See, yeah. Sal's not here. Yeah, Tyler picks up on all the shit that we miss. So yeah, that's good call. Yeah, so cinnamon, great glucose disposal agent. Um, I would say, you know, it it slows the digestion down, makes things a little bit more, um, like more lower glycemic, but it also seems to help with insulin sensitivity at the same time. Um, but those are those are my favorite. Okay, so as far as getting people to drop back in, um, we can kind of wrap this up. So if they're going to do a high rep, maybe a full body workout, or just a high rep workout on on Sunday, for example, carb up, 
take glucose disposal agents um, during your carb up. Mm-hmm. I like to recommend those again the next day. And Agreed. what that does is it helps clear your blood sugar. It helps deplete your liver glycogen, and that gets you into ketosis faster. Mm-hmm. You might do another high rep workout on Monday. You know, you might do another high rep workout the next day. Agreed. If you're doing HIIT cardio, you might save those and do HIIT cardio on maybe a Monday and Tuesday. 100%. Just to further deplete. It gets you into, into ketosis faster. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on is the type of carbs, because a lot of people get confused here. And I think now, now this is a, a theory that I have, Jake, so I'll, I'll throw this out there and you and Chad can kind of, kind of talk about this because Chad, you have a lot of experience with carbohydrates. So this is the bro in me and this is bro science makes a lot of sense, but sometimes you need the data to kind of help steer you the right direction. So what I tell my clients is first of all, don't carb up on fruit because it's not going to refill muscle glycogen stores very good. Um, the other thing it's going to do, it's going to fill the liver. And when you're trying to get back into ketosis, if your liver is extremely full, the, when you deplete your liver, right, that's when you start to switch over into ketosis. So if your liver is very full from eating things a lot, like a lot of fruit, it's going to take you longer to get back into ketosis. Plus you're not refilling muscle glycogen stores. So you're really not getting a very good carb up in general. Um, so that's the one thing I tell people don't have a lot of fruit. Listen, if you want to throw some blueberries in your in your whatever, you know, your oatmeal and throw some whipped cream on there. A little bit's not going to hurt anything, but I'm talking about loading up on tons of fruit because you can mm-hmm. eat a ton of it for mm-hmm. the carb amounts. Sure. And then the other thing is I, I tell people sugary foods are fine. What people don't realize though, is when they carb up on a lot of sugary stuff, sucrose breaks down in your body into glucose and fructose, almost like 50, 50. So if you eat, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that can eat a lot of carbs, you eat like six, 700 carbs and you're eating a shit ton of sucrose. You're actually getting a lot of fructose on the back end. Like when it breaks down, how much that fills your liver up? I don't know, but it, it also, I've seen people, it's taking them longer to get back into ketosis versus if they stick to things like, I don't know, like a potato and, and, you know, bread products and things of that nature that just aren't so high in sucrose, which has a byproduct turning into fructose. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, those are all really good points. The number one thing I'm going to say is this on the carbs. I I know exactly what you're saying. I think that's a good, th- very good theory. The one thing I'll also say on carbs, though, is this, that um, people will say, oh, cyclic ketogenic diet's doing great because on the weekend I go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's definitely not what you want to do. So you, in other words, you don't go from very high fat to very high fat, very high carb. Your fat's got to lower that day. That's the number, my number one concern always on these things. And then I think moderate glycemic index carbs are going to be solid. Low to moderate glycemic index carbs, depending on how high you carb up. Like glycemic index doesn't seem to matter when your carbs are very low, but if it gets very high, it does seem to somewhat matter. So it depends on your goal. Of course, if you're prepping, if you're before a contest, that's different. It should be said that even if you do go the higher glycemic carb route for a meal or two that day, like you can offset that by protein and fiber. Good point. Yeah, good point. Great point. Fiber dictates like the glucose response, the glycemic response. Absolutely. So that's the thing is people look at things in isolation, but like if you have a big salad and broccoli and a higher glycemic carb, it's going to be low glycemic. Good point. Yeah. And you know, I, I too tell people, well, maybe they do want to eat some sugar or some high glycemic carbs. Probably the best time to take that in is the first meal, the first couple meals to where your insulin sensitivity is better. You can have higher GI stuff and then maybe switch over to lower and mid GI stuff as you taper off, as your muscle stores get fuller, your insulin sensitivity changes. So you probably don't want to like save a whole bunch of carbs for after at the end of your carb up and then have like, 
you know, drink Gatorade or low fat ice cream or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to when you can take it in. And if you can stick to low to mid GI, that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. Definitely great. Yeah. I, let me, I, there's a, a point I want to try to connect some of the different things that we've talked about because we've kind of highlighted within the um, ketogenic type scenario, fiber intake oftentimes gets neglected. So making sure that 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 gets sustained and that and that was just brought up before but i think it's important for everybody to understand that we're also we've had had a couple comments that you know low to mid gi carbohydrate sources might be preferred and and it's safe to say that that low to mid low to moderate gi foods oftentimes have more fiber in them as well too so there's so there's kind of a kind of a double-edged sort of like a double positive whammy there uh, for you know why you'd want to kind of shoot shoot for those types of foods as well a hundred percent. And the one going on what Chad said on that, the, the key thing is this insulin sensitivity is higher, but when you're keto, your pancreas is all, which produces insulin also isn't used to high amounts of carbs. It means it can't really, it's not going to put out as much insulin as it normally does, even though you're sensitive. That means that lower glycemic basically means you're going to release less insulin, but you don't need as much insulin when you're insulin sensitive, which means that for someone who's carb adapted, to carb up, they might need high glycemic, lower fiber to do that. But if you're very insulin sensitive like keto, you might be able to carb up on low glycemic to moderate because you're so insulin sensitive. And when you're coming off keto and you go uh, that high glycemic, you're going to crash and all of a sudden you're going to get the shakes again. And that's not going to feel too good. It'll make your day miserable. I love learning new shit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that, that I just learned something extremely important. I mean, that, I love that. So, um, Guys, any take-home points as far as when it comes to refeeds? I, I think the main thing people should probably do, at least from my recommendation, probably start on the lower end and, and go two weeks. Don't uh, don't carb up, you know, after six days being on keto because you're probably not ready for it. Maybe start on the lower amounts and see how fast it takes you to get back into ketosis. And you know, maybe you do it every seven days. Shit, maybe you do it every ten to fourteen. And kind of like you said, Jake, maybe you don't do it for a while if, yeah. if you can get away with that. So yeah. um, any other take-home points that I miss you guys want to chime in Jake, on? Jake, do you have any thoughts on leptin? Yeah, leptin's very, very – in terms of the carb up and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Well, the thought is that when you do have carbs and insulin goes up, that like it stimulates leptin to be released, which is good for satiety and things like that. I think these are the benefits possibly of introducing carb ups. And the problem is like – like we talked about in another podcast, the science has to catch up because yeah. the only study we have with Carbos right now is the one that we did and it was a whole week and it, it wasn't good. So, but you know, we know that like, especially with a lot of the athletes and stuff, John trains and stuff that having a shorter window could be beneficial. So maybe one of the benefits is helping leptin stay higher. Do we want to mention, you guys were talking about those glucose disposal agents. Do we want to mention like what a, what you guys are basing, like what kind of dosage you guys are basing these off of, mm-hmm. because I don't know if you guys are just going off the serving size on the back of the bottle or what. Good, good. I can tell, talk to berberine. Yeah. Berberine, basically, berberine kind of like um, metformin uh, can affect your stomach, which means you want to keep it to about 0.5 grams three times a day. If you go past that, it'll start to hurt your stomach. So about 0.5 grams, and even you might even start 0.25 grams uh, three times a day and work your way up to, so you're getting about a gram and a half a day max of that stuff. So 
um, that is going to be what I recommend for berberine. It's going to be about 30 minutes before meals. You'll notice when you take it, you get a little hungry because it drops your blood glucose. It's very powerful. Also increases mitochondria in the muscle, which is one, was the way it makes you more insulin sensitive. Basically what it does is it tricks your muscle that is low on energy. And so it goes, oh, got to take in more glucose. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, the, the ones that I always recommend, a good friend of mine, an awesome diet coach, his name's Jason Theobald. He owns a company called Natty Nutrition. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. sells a product called Slintrol. It's S-L-I-N-T-R-O-L. And it basically has um, two variants. It's so fitness sounding. It's 100%. Yeah. Percent. yeah. <laughs> um, but, hey, this is a great product, and he's put it together. It's in a tab, tab form. It's like 200 milligrams of chromium uh, polynicotinate, not uh, picolinate, polynicotinate, which is a very good form of chromium, and like 10 milligrams of vanadyl sulfate. And both those act synergistically to um, – chromium is a cofactor of insulin, so you don't have to – you don't body doesn't secrete as much insulin when you have chromium. It's, it's a great – anytime you can secrete less insulin, but you have other things helping glucose disposal, it's always a good thing, even from a health benefit. So it's 200 milligrams of chromium. 10 milligrams of vanadyl sulfate, which works to clear blood sugar. And those those dosages seem to work really well. You just take it with the first bite of carbs at each meal. Um, so it's in there working as your food is. And the other one is ALA. Um, I've noticed like 400 milligrams is fine of ALA. There's a lot of great properties, you know, antioxidant properties, ALA. Or RALA, I'm not as familiar with that just because it's not so easy to find. Most people don't. But I think like 200 milligrams is, is pretty common. And you just take those with, with the uh, first bite of each of each meal. So those are all safe. Um, you shouldn't the cinnamon I add to just as much as I can to whatever I... That's perfect. You know. and, and cinnamon's tied yeah, to chrome. I, so I mean, yeah, there, there's I, benefits I'm there. Sitting trying to think of of like dosing, and you know, I mean, I for some reason, I, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, like clinical studies, I'm thinking they were dosing somewhere in the ballpark of you know, I mean, 100 to 300 milligrams. Yeah. But then it's like, well, would well, that, that be like a tablespoon? Uh, yeah, and that's exactly. that's my whole problem that's with it. And then you don't you don't know the weight, you don't know the density. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I mean, I think honestly, to taste, um, and it and it can kind of operate as a fairly effective glucose disposal agent as well. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think to wrap this up, I think everyone probably learned everything they could possibly learn about refeeds when it comes to keto. Um, you know what I mean? Just start on the smaller end. Don't don't necessarily carb up every six to seven days. You might have to wait 10 days, 14 days if you even need one. Um, you've learned ways to you know use higher rep training, some supplements like GDAs to help get you back into ketosis faster and help store those carbs the right way, especially if you're on a fat loss plan. Um, but I think this has been a great Q and a, um, guys, if you have any questions, send us, um, an email at info at training and nutrition We'll feature you on here. We'll give you a shout out. Um, any other feedback that you want to give, it's much appreciated. Um, thanks for their views. If you would give us a review on iTunes and Stitcher, we appreciate the love, uh, from myself, Chad, Tyler, Jacob Wilson, we're out of here. Thank you. Cause I'm t-